Hello, everyone. Welcome to Peace of Authenticity Podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Jordan. And we are the Andersons. In 2020, the Lord really challenged us on starting our own podcast. And so we invite you to join us on the journey of following Jesus every day. So let's grow together and learn together. What's going on, everybody? Hello. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Um, so, uh, I hope that everybody's doing well and I hope you guys enjoyed our last podcast as well about Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the colt or the donkey, whichever translation your Bible says. Um, but we had a lot of fun doing that and I hope that you kind of gained that understanding of the difference between just having Jesus as savior versus Lord. I think is what that kind of paints out there. But yeah. we're going to continue on this same kind of timeline. And the Bible is amazing because it kind of gives us descriptions as we go along. If you really understand that the Word of God is inspired by God, you understand that the gospel writers, Paul, Peter, John, Matthew, Luke, all of them, are, are writing under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So you have to know that if it's written in there, that there are descriptive things in Scripture that is meant to kind of wrap your head around what's going on in the timeline, mm-hmm. the cultural references, and, and all the context that kind of wraps up in there. Every little detail is intentional. You know, and I think we've said this a million times, because every detail that is put in the Bible is intentional. It's, just, it's not just a random like... Maybe I should add that. No, like every single thing. So pay attention to the details. When you pay attention to the details, like it gives you a whole new meaning of um, the scripture. And honestly, it just takes you deeper and deeper. And it's it's amazing. So that's a little bit of what we're going to do with this one. Going to just a little bit of detail and a little bit of something that you might look over. And it means something that's going to blow your mind. So it's my favorite kind of reading. Absolutely. What, what we're going to talk about today was actually one of my favorite teachings while we were in Israel. Yeah. Um, it was it was incredible. It just absolutely blew my mind. Um, but we, we want to kind of set the stage leading up to the Last Supper. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a beautiful painting by Leonardo da Vinci that is supposed to be the representation of the Last Supper. And everyone is kind of sitting on one side which no one does of all these tables right so it's almost like he went in and you know said oh well i need seating for 26 but we're all going to sit on one side of the table you know Mm -hmm. what i mean but i understand for art purposes and for significance and stuff like that it's a beautiful painting i don't want to take away from it it's it's amazing but it's not historically or contextually accurate. Well, and the food that they're eating was food like (laughs) English people hate. It's just funny. I mean, it is a beautiful painting, but everything about it is, it's not accurate. And we're going to show you why. Yeah. So in, in, we're going to start out in John 13 and before we get to the actual meal, we're going to read this part right here because I think that it's, it's vitally important for us to understand where we're going today with this teaching to to understand how Jesus does everything is is vitally important. And so the, it starts in verse 13 and says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart 
out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. We're talking about the disciples at, at this point. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. You have no reason to be with me is what Jesus is saying right now. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but he is completely clean and you are clean, but not every one of you for he knew who was about to betray him. And that's why he said, not all of you are clean. Okay. Mm -hmm. So John is kind of painting this picture that we're leading into the last supper. Many of us who have read the Bible any amount of time, we know that Judas Iscariot is the one who betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, being God in human form, already knows what is coming. Yeah. He he knows. And and so it, it's it's wearing on him. I think it says, um, Jesus, what did he say? Knowing that he would betray him. I, I think it's crazy because Jesus is already knowing that the devil had already put this into Judas's heart. And Judas is among the disciples right now mm -hmm. who are about to get their feet washed anyway. Yeah. I mean, I know the culture now is so different from then. Like feet washing was a regular thing back then because I mean, everyone wore sandals and everything, everything was dusty. So I mean, your feet are always dirty. Mm -hmm. So when you would go into a home, they would offer you water to clean your feet or maybe a servant would clean, you know, some, you would have an offer to have your feet washed. And in this instance, Jesus went over and personally washed every single one of their feet. And I don't know if you've ever had your feet washed, but it is extremely humbling experience. And it's almost like, um, intimate right it even said like jesus took out his out took off his outer garments to be able to wash their feet so his outer coat he took off so everything about this is very intimate and a lot of us might feel uncomfortable in an intimate situation with jesus washing our feet but that's the relationship that he wants like that's what he said to peter peter's like Psh, you're not washing my feet i'm washing your feet and jesus yeah. is like well if you want to have anything to do with me in a relationship with me honestly you'll let me wash your feet and he's like oh well wash everything and you know, that's the place that we need to be in to where we're willing and to let Jesus wash our feet and not let shame get in the way, not um, certain things come up in life. But yeah, that meant a lot to me mm. because I don't know if I would have let Jesus wash my feet, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, in, in John 13, Jesus continues to teach. And one of the main things that he says is, um, whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. You know, mm -hmm. and, and like, so Jesus is teaching on, on all of these things and, and he's going through and he's washing everybody's feet. 
Now, one of the things that I kind of wanted to share with everybody is we were just talking about Leonardo da Vinci and, and how he made mm-hmm. the straight table with everybody on one side. And, and, you know, it's a beautiful painting, but it's not historically accurate. So the, the table that Jesus and the disciples would have been reclining at is actually what they call a triclinium, okay? And I'm going to draw this, so don't judge me for my drawing because I wish that we were more high-tech and I could put it like... And I will put pictures on the screen, actually. I have those too. But... So, it looks like... Can well, you even see that? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's like a U on a it's scoreboard. Like a U, okay? Like this. And it's open at one end, right here, so that the servants can come in and and serve everybody at the table and everyone would recline in these positions just like this okay one two three four okay that's that's 12 and if you don't right. understand it sh- this is a table 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 it's one big table yeah. but- it's one giant table that goes just like that we're gonna put some pictures on there and um so it's you would recline at it. Yeah, and the reason why we know it's a triclinium is because it says they're reclining at the, we'll read that, and, and whenever you're reclining, it, it is it is that type of table, that's how they know. Yeah, with, so you're laying on your left side, right? Remember, because if you've been following our podcast for a long time, we taught on the left hand versus the right hand, right? Mm-hmm. So the left hand was used for wiping, it was considered like the unclean hand, Mm -hmm. and everybody would eat with the right. So if you're reclining at a table, you would literally be reclining on this left side and you would eat with with the right side, Mm -hmm. okay? So that's what they were doing. And and so we we know this. Um, So Jesus in verse 21 of, of John 13 says, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and he testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at uh, was reclining at table at Jesus's side. So we we have that description right there of reclining at the table. So that points to this triclinium mm-hmm, yes. as well. In Luke chapter seven, before this, we actually have the story of the woman. The, the sinful woman, as the Bible declares or uh, calls her, mm-hmm. um, she comes in while Jesus is eating at the Pharisee's house and she begins to pour perfume on his feet. Mm-hmm. She, she's crying, so her tears are falling on his feet and she's drying his feet with her own hair. Mm-hmm. And so we know this because as you're reclining at these tables, your feet is in the, they're, they're in the back, like toward the outside. Because I used to read this story and I'm like, well... So did she have to climb under the table, yeah. you know, to get to Jesus's feet in order to mm-hmm. wash them? But really, they were they, all the feet are facing backwards, so she has yeah. access to all of that. So she was she began to do that. So we're we're sitting here, and and the thing about the triclinium table that that makes the the context of this story really come alive is the fact that in this table you were seated based off of your importance. Mm-hmm. So if we're at this again, right here with the opening, the entrance to the room would be like over here. Your importance, you would come into the room based off of your importance and you just file in and fill seat, 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 seat all the way around. So the most important person would be here and the least important person would be here. 
right? So we have that, and and those are very important clues for where we're heading in in the podcast today because you need to know because the Bible gives us clues as to where everyone was setting. Yeah, and we don't know where every single disciple right sat but the the ones that matter it is obvious in the scripture where they were sitting at the table so it's it's really cool yeah so so we know right here in John's gospel he tells us um it, it says the disciple whom Jesus loved if you don't already know if you spend any time in the book of John at all the disciple whom Jesus loved is always John he's talking about himself so he was reclining at the table at Jesus' side so Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. Because Jesus had just talked about he was going to betray, someone was going to betray him. Yeah. Remember? And well, yeah. Said. So the disciples were all confused because Jesus says, one of you sitting at this table right now is going to betray me. Right? Mm-hmm. Jesus already knew who it was, but none of the other disciples did. Yeah. And so we, we understand through this, I'm going to make a new sheet because that one was just crazy looking. Um, but we have... We have this right here, okay? So these seats, based off of importance, if we have those, and then we have the least important over here, right? We have this set up just like that, okay? So the Bible says that Simon Peter motioned to John to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So verse 25 says, so that disciple, John, talking about himself, leaned back against Jesus and said to him, Lord, who is it? Okay, so according to custom, the the host would sit uh, in this this position right here. So the we have the host of the festival that's right here. So the two people, the host of the meal, the host of the meal. Yeah, yeah sorry, <laughs> the host of the meal is sitting here. So this position right here is the most honorable position, right? Or no, 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 no. no. This one is. This one is. Mm-hmm. This one is to the right and to the left. So these are the two most important guests at the feast, right? So John's gospel is telling us if everybody is reclined at the table, Jesus is the host. Jesus is hosting the feast. So he's right here. If they're all laying on their left side and John's gospel tells us that he leans back into the chest of Jesus... That tells us that John is right here. Which will be in that image, right, that we show. Yeah, this is all going to be in the image at the end. We're going to put all this in there. So John is right here. He leans back into Jesus' chest. Okay, but if everybody is laying on their left side, where where could Peter possibly be? Yeah, and it said he had to motion to John, hey, ask him. So that shows that Peter yeah. is actually over here on this side because to motion he couldn't talk to John, he probably pointed like, ask him what he's talking about. And so he's across the table over here in the least. Yeah, so Peter is over here. Peter is over here trying to get John's attention here to ask Jesus whom the one is that will betray him. And so you might be surprised because Peter is in the last the guy who I will build my church upon is in the weakest the the lowliest seat of the table yeah which is the servant of this the table. this is the servant seat so of least importance because remember we said that as you file in here it's all based off of importance 
Peter's all the way over here. So that also gives us a hint as to what we read earlier in, in chapter 13, when Jesus begins to wash all their feet and Peter says, no, not me. Because if Peter is in the, the servant seat right here, technically he would be going, um, I'm not going to let you wash feet. I'm technically mm-hmm. in the servant seat, so I should I'm be washing feet. I'm going to go get a feet. permanent marker real quick because I think it'll be easier for them to see. Just keep going. Yeah. So anyway, Jordan's going off camera. We're going, we're going wild today. But anyway, so we have Peter in that seat. And um, Jesus goes on and he, and he, he begins to, to tell... Uh, no, so it says, uh, no one at the table knew why, oh wait, hold on. Okay, so hold on. Uh, oh, I just skipped way forward. Let me fix that um, while you're doing that. So the Lord said, uh, so that disciple leaned back against Jesus and said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken that morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said, what you are going to do, do it quickly. Okay, so Jordan's making my drawing look better. But now we understand through this teaching right now, okay, um, that the person right next to Jesus at this Last Supper, this Passover meal, is Judas. The the very one who is about to betray Jesus, who Jesus knew that the enemy had gotten into him, right? And had turned his heart away from him and that he was going to betray him. Jesus placed him in the seat of honor. Yeah, because this, I mean, this guy's important. The host is obviously important, but this is the seat of honor in in a seating like this. Yeah. So, okay. So you have to understand through reading, scripture points to all these things to us. Like, obviously we know that there were three disciples who Jesus spent the most time with is Peter, James, and John. Mm -hmm. So, if, if Peter was one of the ride-or-die disciples that was hanging out with Jesus, why would he put him in the servant's seat? And why is Judas in the seat of honor? Okay, so Luke actually gives us a lot more insight as to what is going on at this time. And it actually goes to Luke chapter, what is this, chapter 22 And verse 24, Luke tells us that a dispute rose among the disciples as to which of them was regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority are called benefactors, but not so with you. Jesus is saying this, rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as the one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Does that not remind you of what just happened with Jesus washing the feet as the the host? I just I just love that. But yeah, like that that explains why Jesus has placed Peter in the servant's seat because he's teaching him 
hey, the least of these is actually the greatest. And I'm, yeah. I'm sure Peter was a little angry about this seating arrangement. Yeah. <laughs> and he was. I'm sure he was looking across the table like, what did you guys even do to deserve to sit yeah. over there? I am Jesus's favorite. I am the rock that Jesus said he built his church on. You know, what the heck is going on? But, you know, the message that Jesus was teaching him is a master is not greater than his servant. And the greatest among you must be servant to all. So that's the exact spot where he put Peter to teach him. Yeah. So <laughs> to there, be a leader. there's so many other details in scripture that kind of point us to to these things like about John being here and Judas being here. Do you remember Jordan that John uh James and John's mother asked Jesus, mm -hmm. "Will you put my sons at your right and left?" Yes, which is it she we, was talking about this. John made it. James is somewhere in here. We don't I'm, really know. <laughs> I'm feeling like James might be right here feeling salty at Jesus yeah, for being He nasty. he might be. But also we know through reading scripture, and you can look this up, just Google it, about yeah. the competition between John and Peter. So in this conversation that Luke is telling us is going on about the argument between who is the greatest among the disciples, you know that Peter, James, and John were in this discussion. Peter, James, and John got to see the transfiguration that we just talked about not that long ago on the podcast. Peter, James, and John were super tight mm -hmm. with Jesus. Where Jesus went, they went. So of course we can expect John to be in this position. But why Peter here? Well, experts believe that Peter was the oldest of all the disciples. Peter was the only one that we know through scripture was married. Mm -hmm. And so he was he was older. They, they, they tend to think that Peter and Andrew well, was Peter's and, brother and that came along they too. Had to only Jesus and Peter had to pay the court, uh, the the temple tax. The temple tax, and yeah. you had to be a certain age, and so all the other disciples were younger. Yeah, obviously. So these are all factors that you can look up on your own. But what I believe is also, if you remember, when when Jesus was teaching and he was talking about the disciples, and he was talking to Peter, and he he basically told Peter that he was going to have to lay his life down for him. Peter immediately looks and goes, "Well, what about him?" talking about John. Remember, mm -hmm. John and Peter had this almost unhealthy rivalry between the two of them. And Jesus says, don't worry about John. If I want him to live until I return and again, then that's, yeah, and, and that's, that's, that's what's going to happen. John lived forever. He was the only one of well, all the disciples that, yeah. that lived to, to be old age. Yes. And so Jesus is using this as an opportunity to teach Peter that even though culture says that this is the least position, mm -hmm. that you would be serving other people, nobody wants to sit here and have to wash feet. Jesus was trying to teach Peter that if you want to be the greatest, you need to seat yourself here. Yeah. Because Jesus taught a parable along this same line in Luke uh, I think it's around there, Luke chapter 22, somewhere around there, where he says, when you're invited to a wedding, do you not try to sit in the seat of honor? Do you not try to sit in one of the main seats at this table? Mm -hmm. Jesus is saying, no, this, this is not the way that it is among my disciples. Mm -hmm. Whoever wants to be the greatest must put themselves here. Mm -hmm. So we, we're, we're unraveling all these things. So, so it causes your mind to constantly go, what what is happening here? Because Jesus knew coming into this 
moment with all of these men that Judas was going to do what he was going to do. And he even says, hey, Mm -hmm. after you eat this bread, go and do what you're going to do quickly. Yeah, and and honestly, I I remember one time I was reading um, this in Luke, and it kind of blew my mind. I was like, why are all the other disciples confused? Like, he literally just told them, go do what you need to do. And, you know, it says they... They figured like, oh, he probably just needs to do something with the money or whatever. But Jesus probably leaned towards him and said it under his breath. You know what I mean? I don't, it's just interesting because now whenever you realize um, the seating arrangement, you could, like John did, he just leaned back to Jesus and said, hey, like, who are you talking about? And no one else probably heard this conversation, you know? So um, it's just really cool to see these connections. And then the like amazing fact that we all know the saying you know, someone stabbing you in the back. That means they're like betraying you, just like what Jesus did, Judas did to Jesus. And Jesus literally gave him his back. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you're going to stab me in the back, I'll just lean against you and you can just, I'm, I'll just love you and put you in yeah. the seat of honor. And, you know, the the one seat that the host is really honoring someone, I'll put, I'll put you there and I'll actually give you my back. Yeah. I'll make it available to you. So and wash your feet. <laughs> yeah. So so none of none of the disciples actually. So you're talking about not only did Judas eat, but Judas ate first. Mm-hmm. Judas got the first break of the body, you know, of of the bread, because Jesus tells John, the one who I give this first morsel to is going to be the one that betrays me. So you you understand that not only did he get his feet washed. Did he eat with the rest of the disciples? But he got the first piece. He got the first break of the bread. And, you know, you're, you're sitting here going, okay, so so why does all this matter? Okay, we, we understand that, that Judas had to do what he did for the plan of God to unfold. It was all part of God's plan. God wasn't surprised by anything that happened. Just like Jesus was not surprised by anything that happened. He knew before he even started washing feet that Judas was going to do what he did. Mm -hmm. So why does all this description matter? Because at the very beginning of this, Jesus says, you don't know what I'm doing now, but soon you will understand. Mm -hmm. Because the disciples didn't know how everything was going to unfold. They knew that they were reaching the end of the road because Jesus kept telling them time and time again, my time is coming to an end. I'm going back to be with the Father. I'm laying my life down yeah. for, for the good of all of you guys, you know. And 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 he so he's constantly preparing them for what's about to take place, but they didn't know what was going to take place. So Jesus brings them all into this table, and he sets Judas in the seat of honor because later on in the night, when they go to pray in the Garden of mm-hmm. Gethsemane. When, when all these things are unfolding, when the soldiers come and they come to take Christ away so that he can go stand trial and eventually lay his life on the line for all of us, for you and for me, the disciples would have been able to look back into this moment and they would have said, oh my gosh, not only, they would have all witnessed the kiss, the betrayal kiss of Judas in Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. And they would have been reflecting back on this moment after Jesus' death. And they would have went, wow, Jesus put the betrayer in the seat of honor. Mm -hmm. 
He put Peter in the seat of a servant. He had John over here and he put Judas right next to him on purpose. Mm -hmm. The one that was going to throw him under the bus hardcore. And I, um, I, I thought that this was really interesting. So this is just an idea that someone had and it goes well with what we taught in the last, um, episode about the expectations that the people had for Jesus Mm. that, um, so there is a lot of talk that Judas was, um, a zealot and what a zealot is, is it's someone that it's a, it's a Jew that believes they'll take the kingdom of heaven by force, which means they will kill Romans. They will kill whoever gets in the way, you know, the kingdom of heaven will come on earth, you know, very, very forceful people, um, violent people. Um, and they believed in that rebellion against, um, Rome and they believed that the Messiah was going to do that. So a lot of people, um, scholars and all the studiers, well, not all of them, but some of them believe that, um, Judas had the same expectations that the people did that Jesus came to, you know, if he was the Messiah, he came to set them free from Roman rule. And so a lot of people think that this could be why Judas betrayed Jesus. And I'll put it in air quotes because maybe in his head it wasn't betrayal. It might have been pushing Jesus to the place where he doesn't have an option but to do what he came for or what Judas expected him to come for. And then the reason why Judas, you know, later on had so much guilt and turmoil is because Jesus, they killed him. And maybe that's why he committed suicide. Maybe he thought this plan to, you know, push Jesus into his destiny of what the Messiah is supposed to do, obviously killed him. And Judas might have had this, you know, remorse, uh, so much so, and that he killed himself. But I just, it kind of put me in the place of how many of us have, you know, like we talked about last week, these expectations of what Jesus is supposed to do. And then we find out Mm. it was so wrong and we're filled with shame, but Jesus still has us at this seat, the seat of the betrayer, this, the seed of the person who expected something, but didn't get it from Jesus or wants Jesus to cater to them and all this stuff, but he still loves us and he still puts us in that seat and he still, you know, gives us the food first and all these things like we were talking about the guest of honor gets. And it's just such a humbling and like beautiful place to be that even whenever we mess up, even whenever, um, we have these expectations of Jesus and of, you know, what God's going to do in our lives. And it doesn't end up being that way. And we get bitter or, you know, we get shameful because we missed it. And, and all these different things that Jesus is still there. Jesus still loves us. And he still puts us at the table with him. And I just, I just love that picture. Mm. So it, it kind of comes back to what we talked about last week about laying your cloak down and saying, mm-hmm. not my will, but your will. I remember while we were in Israel, sorry, I wasn't disconnecting. I was actually looking up this in in the scripture because this points to the difference between making Jesus the Lord of your life versus just making him savior. Mm -hmm. Like I think that we can all come to the realization just like Judas, that we all know that we need to be saved from ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, And there's a difference 
between saying, Jesus, I know that you died on the cross for me to take away my sins and I'm thankful for that versus saying, Jesus, I'm laying my cloak down because I know that you are the Lord of my life. And and it comes into Matthew 26 and this is all along the Passover. It says, when it was evening, he reclined at the table with the 12. This is the same the same context as what we're talking about. Yeah, we're, same we're, still, we're still talking about this. All right, everything's good. So as they were eating, he said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, is it I, Lord? Verse 23, he answered, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. Okay, so this points to the whole reclining on the left side too. You're eating with the right side. So if Jesus is right here and he's dipping, you would have to be in near proximity with that person in order to use the same dipping bowl. So that is the other thing that leads us to believe that Judas Iscariot was right there behind Jesus as they would have shared a mixing bowl. And so the Son of Man goes as well, yeah, the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man to have never been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. And that's probably when Jesus was like, Lean back and been like, You have said so. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but it just makes me. I sad. don't know. But here's the difference. The Bible clearly tells us, Matthew is literally trying to tell us that all the other disciples said that they were sorrowful and they began to say to him one after another, is it I, Lord, question mark. Mm-hmm. When, it, when Matthew comes around to tell us about Judas, Judas does not say, is it I, Lord? He goes, is it I, Rabbi? Yep. Which meant that Judas knew he had witnessed the miracles. He had seen everything that Jesus had done up until that point. And Judas still saw Jesus as a teacher and not as his Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. So it it kind of gives you that, that insight into what's happening in this moment. All the other disciples have made him Lord and they laid down their cloaks and they said, not not our will, but your will following Mm -hmm. Christ. Judas was on a different page. He was on a different page completely. Maybe he was a zealot Mm -hmm. and he believed that the kingdom of heaven would come and they would take it by force from the Romans, just like the Maccabees did from the Greeks. Mm -hmm. Maybe this was supposed to be a reinvention of that, that Mm -hmm. Israel was going to come up. Jesus was going to lead the charge and they were going to cut down all the Romans. God was going to get the glory and everything was going to be fine. Mm -hmm. But Jesus kept trying to tell a different story the whole time. My kingdom is not of this earth. It's, it's above the place that my father has for us has many rooms. Well, And he always says, love your enemies. If someone takes something from you, give them more, you know, all these different things, which is total opposite of what a zealot would believe or any person would want to believe. Yeah. So in his, in his final dinner, with all of those that were closest to him on this earth, Jesus chose one final time because he tells Peter and the disciples, what I, or he tells Simon Peter as he gets ready to wash his feet, what I'm doing right now, you won't understand it, but soon you will. He gave them all a glimpse of what it really looked like to love your enemies. Mm-hmm. 
just by his seating chart at the table. Jesus knew that Judas had set his heart against him, Mm -hmm. and he put him in the seat of honor anyway. So Jesus had an amazing habit of always backing out or backing up what he preached about. Mm -hmm. And so for the final time in the final dinner, the final breaking bread of his disciples and his closest confidants, he chooses to use this moment to teach all around. He was teaching Peter that it was better to serve than to sit in a seat of honor. And he was teaching all the other disciples that even though I knew that this man was going to betray me, I still showed him honor anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we were sitting there in Israel and Brad had us all lined up like in, Mm -hmm. in, in real life looking around this table and I was wrecked. Because weren't you Judas? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't table. remember. I don't, I don't know if you were. You were standing, though, at the table. I wasn't. Yeah, I was a part of the, the human um, little Picture diagram that, that, that Brad was doing. But the, but the reality is, though, Jesus only did... Jesus never asked anybody to do something that he wasn't willing to do. Yeah, exactly. So when he was telling his disciples the whole time, I want you to love your enemies... He welcomed tax collectors into his disciple fold. Mm-hmm. They hated them worse than the Romans. Matthew himself was a tax collector. And Jesus said, come, be my disciple. Come yeah. follow me. I mean, me. he yeah, ate at tax collectors' homes. Yeah, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. He even ate at Pharisees' homes. Mm-hmm. Luke chapter 7, yeah. where the girl was washing his feet. It was at the home of a Pharisee. Mm-hmm. Jesus was constantly trying to show and walk out exactly what he was teaching his disciples. And he chose this moment. And I know I said it a second ago, but he chose in this moment, somebody whose heart is completely set against him Mm -hmm. and set him in the seat of honor, knowing that just a few moments later, he was going to run off and take the 30 pieces of silver Mm -hmm. And Jesus would eventually meet the cross. It was all a part of God's plan. God wasn't shocked by any of it. But Jesus was very particular on everything that he did because he said, even if that person has your destruction in mind, you set them in the seat of honor because that's what I've called you to do. Yeah. (laughs) And that wrecked me because, you know, we can show grace to people. We, we can show mercy to people as long as we think in the back of our mind, you know, in the back of our mind, oh, well, you know, that was just innocent. They didn't do it on purpose. But Jesus is saying, like, even if someone is intentionally yeah. having plotting your downfall. Well, even, even Jesus said, even the, like, pagans love people that love them. That's nothing. Yeah. And, like, sometimes I think us as Christians, we're like, well, I love people, but you love people that love you. And I do, too. It's yeah. easy. It's natural. It's human nature to love people that love you. And it's not human nature to serve everyone when you want to be the leader. It's not human nature to love people that you know are about to stab you in the back. It's Mm. not human nature. But Jesus says, hey, you're a new creation. You are a new man. You don't fall into place with human nature and your feelings and your emotions, which I'm telling myself, guys. Mm. Okay, I'm just pretending in the camera I'm looking at me, a reflection of me. You don't do that. You're a new man. You're created 
brand new by me because I have washed your feet. I have made you whole and you can love your enemy. You can serve everyone around you. You can because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us Hmm. and the power of the Holy Spirit, honestly, because I just don't know. (laughs) It's so hard. Yeah. Well, I I think about those times where we literally position ourselves against somebody and then we validate it with our Christianese where we're like, oh, well, I love that person, but I'm just never going to put myself around them because... Or I love them, but I don't have to like them. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. (laughs) That's true. And 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 that's the thing though. (laughs) Jesus is literally showing us. and, And I love the fact that he was telling Peter, you don't know what I'm doing right now, but soon you'll understand because they had lots of time to sit around after Jesus... Yeah, they were waiting died. for him. <laughs> they were waiting for him to come back. Imagine when they're all sitting here going, oh my gosh, all this really just unfolded. Jesus died. They're waiting for him to you know, rise again like he said he would. They're probably reflecting on that last dinner and they're going, mm-hmm. he literally set that fool right next to him. Well, and you know when you when you lose someone or someone is gone, you talk about all the memories. Oh, remember whenever they, remember mm. whenever this, I'm sure they were saying all those things with Jesus. Like, Hey, remember when Jesus like totally told off that fair thing? That was crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just stories and, and realizing and seeing those things connected, like what you said, even the seating at the table, the huge lesson that they probably mm. didn't know yet until after everything. But yeah, it's every bit of this is extremely convicting. So I hope in our conviction, you were able to be convicted because we are called to be like Jesus. I just think that the challenge is this. Are you willing to follow the same, the same in, in the footsteps yeah. of our host, mm-hmm. Jesus, and literally not only honor your enemies and love them, but to even give them your back. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm literally blown away by this. But anyway, <laughs> so I hope that you guys all kind of catch the glimpse of, of how really diving into Scripture and understanding the cultural context of everything really brings a whole new level Mm -hmm. to the understanding of scripture because if you just knew that yeah you know judas was there but no when you understand that jesus literally set him right there yeah for everyone to see it was on display it brings a whole new level of conviction into how we love people Mm -hmm. how we honor people that don't give us the same in return Mm -hmm. and even honestly it brings a whole new level to turn the other cheek as well it's like not only am i am i gonna let you have my back um you know i'm just gonna golly i just can't i know wild but thank you guys for joining us today i i hope that you learned something i hope that it really ministers to you um but we'll be back next time yes and we're excited at the holiday season it's amazing and also i want to tell you guys there um our friends we talk about like brad and the other brad i think we've talked about them both they are doing a podcast walking the text we've talked about that that's our tour we went on Mm -hmm. they are doing a christmas series right now through podcasts so just because our podcast is here less doesn't mean that you don't you can't listen to some really good contextual teaching about Jesus being born. So, well, yeah, we're just sharing with you guys what, you know, our convictions, what we learned from them. But yeah, walking the text is their Christmas ones. So good. Like you need to, you need to listen to it. Yeah. 
So, mm-hmm. all right, we'll we'll see you guys next time right here. Peace of authenticity. See you then. Bye. Bye.